thank you, Nicole, so much for coming on the podcast. And um, maybe let the listeners know, like, who you are and what do you do? Great. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. I really appreciate it and for showing me around your store. It's amazing. Um, So my name is Nicole Campbell, and I am a commercial sales and leasing associate with Devarish Real Estate. And I focus on office leasing and sales on the south side of Hampton Roads. Amazing. Now, you've said that before. (laughs) Yeah. um, So... Maybe talk about how you got into it. What what were you doing? Because uh, I think you're using modern communication tools like LinkedIn or, you know, just even this podcast. You're, you're on top of it. So maybe kind of like what's your background coming into this? Well, my background is very varied, actually. So I'm a former military spouse. And I say that former because my husband has since retired from the Army. Um, so I kind of did a bunch of stuff. And so just before commercial real estate, I did residential real estate. And I did that for a while and that was a good, you know, I could take that anywhere we went type of thing, even though we didn't travel that often when I was in residential real estate. We went from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, came to Virginia Beach and I continued doing that. And then really I just talked to some friends of mine who said, you know, you might want to check into commercial real estate. Your personality might be suited for that a little bit more. And I think they saw that I was a little um, frustrated with sometimes the clients would say, let's see 15 houses. They check all the boxes, except for this one has Redskins paraphernalia in it and they don't like the Redskins, so they don't want to buy the house. That could be a problem. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there was just so much emotion involved with purchasing a house that I thought, you know, there's got to be a business that is more driven by the bottom line. And so that's how I got into commercial real estate. And so while it is driven by the bottom line, there's still an office leasing, a lot of emotion involved because people live in their offices mostly, right? So it's like eight hours a day that they live there. And so there is some sort of that almost home buyer-esque emotion involved in the leasing side of offices, but then there's also the down low, okay, well, does this make sense for what I have in my budget? Um, so that's where I came from. With before that, I've done. I was a middle school teacher. I worked with a jewelry designer. I um, had a business where I decorated cakes and made cakes. Oh, cool. I worked as a dental assistant. So I've really done a ton of stuff. Um, but I've settled into real estate, and I've been doing that for almost ten years now, total. Ten years, mm-hmm. nice. And so, what was it like when you first started compared to like where it is now, like? Has there been like a big change because of social media or just the internet in general? Like, are there big changes or is it kind of similar to like when you first started? Well, in residential real estate is definitely a lot different. In commercial real estate, I feel like we're kind of behind the times on that. And so we're sort of um, slacking, I guess, as that's the only word I could think of as far as what we're doing to put ourselves out there in social media. It's kind of as a commercial broker, you'll see our business cards don't have our pictures on it like you have in residential real estate. We don't have Facebook pages like a lot of residential real estate brokers have. Um, Just all this that we've kind of felt like, well, we've got our database and we have our brokerage community and this is it and this is all we need. Well, I think what we're finding now is that regardless of what you're doing, in life your search starts online and if you don't have a presence online and if that means photos of an interior of a commercial space which has been almost non-existent until just recently people just would put the exterior photo and that was it 
So we're starting to kind of come along and say, all right, well, we need to have some of these things. We need to have a social presence and not just talk about, well, what is the company doing, but what are the individual brokers within the company doing? What kind of people are they? They're humans. Let's talk about, you know, that human aspect of it. And so what type of spaces on the commercial side, like how big of a space will you show or what type of general sweet spot I guess do you specialize in? Well, so for me, I have two different avenues. I represent landlords on one side. So it could be that a landlord has maybe a 70,000 square foot office building and they have within there a 500 square foot space. So of course now, you know, I still need to lease that. So I will obviously show that to any tenant who's interested. But then on the tenant side of things, typically I work with tenants who are looking for at least 2,500 square feet. Um, and unfortunately, the, the reason is because it's a commission-based job, right? So I have to make sure that my time is spent on, well, what is going to make a return for me? Because that's all I have. That's my time. And yes, while I'm representing the landlord, that's one thing, but I'm going to get paid on a bunch of different offices within that building. But if it's a tenant, I can't say that that 500 square feet is going to make me really any money. It really comes down to literally that I will make no money from that. So I would have spent time um, potentially helping somebody who re probably really needs the help, but I won't make a return. Now, obviously there's more to it than that because what if this is their startup space and I know that in two years they're gonna be ready to do something else bigger and they have a plan. Well then, you know, I take all that into consideration. So maybe I help them now and I don't make anything, but then in the future I know that I can, and it's not always about me just making money. You gotta pay the bills though. So, but I look down the line and say, well, how can I help that person in the future make sure that they make a good decision for their business and that I can help them on that side of things. So. There's a lot that goes into it, but back to your question. 2,500 square feet for tenants, landlords, I'll help them with whatever they've got. That's super cool. And, <clears throat> and this might be a silly question. Who are the landlords typically and who are the tenants? Or um, If you're working with like maybe a larger organization, is it someone in like a real estate division or is it someone in some kind of... Uh, if you, I guess if you're starting up and you're a tenant, like is it like the actual owner? Like, what are like the customer profiles typically? And then we'll try to tie that into like what you're. So yeah, I guess like what are the types of customers that you work with overall? Well, usually for office leasing, I start off with talking with and touring with either the human resources person or the office manager or just whoever is the person that's been designated to go out and find the space. And so I usually don't work with the decision maker or the business owner until the, that person has decided, okay, we found some spaces that we think would fit. Now let's move that up the chain and say, here's why we think this would be a good for, fit for our business. That's not usually the best way to go about it, but that's how it has to happen a lot of times because that business owner is typically very busy and they're off doing other things. But what I'm finding is that the people who have that emotion and that reason why that they want it to look a certain way or to feel a certain way or to have a wow factor is because they're the ones who are going to be sitting there eight hours a day and then they have a not always an easy time translating that up to the boss who is the one who has the purse strings and so there could be a disconnect between what the boss says he wants and what the employees say they want and so even though i work with 
the influencers. I don't always work with firsthand the actual decision makers. And so as you have a bigger company, it's typically that that's the case. It's a human resources person who is going out doing all the legwork and then it comes down to who signs the check at the end of the day and that's just a little bit further down the process. On the landlord side, the folks that I work with typically are people who own maybe one or two buildings. They are owner occupants. That's not their first business. They do other things. They just happen to own a building. And so they, from what the type of people I work with are usually those who have had a difficult time leasing space. Maybe it's just because of the location, it's a difficult prospect, the size of the space, um, the type of uh, tenants that they've been trying to get into the space don't always work out. So I seem to attract the folks who have been trying, trying, trying to get spaces leased and then haven't been able to and they're just kind of at their wits end and then I'm able to come in, give my advice and my recommendations with my partner Krista Costa and we work together on all that and so we give our recommendation and then they start seeing um, now money is coming in and the spaces are getting leased. So. I don't usually represent the folks who are, have the huge portfolios of buildings and not that I wouldn't and that I don't want to. It's just right now where I'm at my career, I'm doing a really good job with these people who have had more difficult time leasing their spaces. And I guess from a marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. um, what are you kind of, what are you doing that's making you stand out? Because I don't see anyone else doing this. You yeah. Know, what are you doing? And maybe break down for the listeners, like, the mindset behind it. Well, sure. So, for me, I'm newer to Virginia Beach and Hampton Roads area. We moved here in 2014. I'm not a native. I came here doing residential real estate. When I moved into commercial real estate, I worked as an administrator to learn the business because I knew I didn't know anything about commercial real estate, that it was so different. So I sat behind a desk for several years as I was doing that. So I learned a ton, but I did zero networking. Um, I was just not out there putting my name out there because I didn't have a reason to. So as soon as I got into brokerage, I knew I needed to do something. I needed to figure out how to network, how to get my name out there. And I struggled for a while because I I found out I'm an ambivert. I thought I was just an introvert, but I'm actually an ambivert, so I sort of have kind of uh, equal qualities of an introvert and an extrovert, but it still made it really difficult for me to make connections, to go to a networking event and talk to people. Everybody else seemed to know each other, and so I had to figure out how do I get my name out there to where people want to meet me, and they seek me out too, and that it's not just me walking up to random people all the time. So that's kind of where I came from with that, and. Um, I guess it was about, let's see, August of 2019 that I was struggling, 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 and I knew I had to do something different. And it was basically like, how do I figure out how to be myself, put myself out there so that people know who they're talking to. It's not just Devarish Real Estate, but it's this individual person and just get my story out. And if people want to work with me, then they'll contact me. And if they don't, that's fine too. Then it kind of just helps me weed out what, what, what would be a good relationship for me to have? And if they say they don't like me, then that's fine. You can't please everybody. Not everybody's going to like you all the time. So um, that's kind of where I was coming from with that. And for me, social media was the way to do it. And LinkedIn specifically, 
because that's where business owners are and that's where their employees are, the human resources folks. It's people who want to start businesses. It's people who are in commercial real estate, but then in other areas like construction and furniture and all these different areas that we would have kind of like-minded type of uh, customers and clients. And then I can network with those folks and then people who don't know me who are in businesses can see me and see what I'm about. So LinkedIn for me was the place that I knew I had to be I do personal Instagram and Facebook. I'm not that great at that, um, but it's more personal stuff. But LinkedIn has been the absolute best for my business. And what's like a typical content schedule for you like on LinkedIn? Like what type of content ideas are you sharing? What do you, what do you think you focus on, I guess? So I try to set up a schedule and it went, you know, okay, on this day I'll talk about tenant stuff on this day, on Monday I tenant stuff, Tuesday landlord stuff, Wednesday, you know, some other topic. But what I found is that as things come up during the day, it's just kind of like I need to get this out there. And it's, and that's kind of how it is. I just try to post at least once a day. So every day of the week. I usually don't do two times a day unless it's just something like um, – Maybe if I'm at an event or something and more of like a live-esque feel of something that's happening if I've already posted. But literally, my content is just documenting my day. What did a client ask that I think could be potentially useful to other people? What did I experience that maybe is a funny story or shows my personality? Um, and then, I, yeah, the videos, it's just it's funny because I'll do those maybe two or three times a week and it's never planned. And it's just off the cuff. And I do a bunch of takes, but that gives me then my outtake reel that I do that everybody seems to love. They like to see me making mistakes. <laughs> and so these are live videos that you're talking about posting basically each day. Like, um, not, not live videos, but these yeah. are videos. Not mm -hmm. It's not only pictures or it's not only words. These mm -hmm. are videos that you're kind of producing. Are you editing anything or are you just putting it out raw? Um, so most of the time it's raw. And so because of that, I went from taking an hour to do a video. I've got, I've cut it down where I've gotten better at um, either A, just dealing with the flubs that I did make or B, just getting something more <clears throat> concrete about what I want to say before I start shooting. Um, but it can be anything from, I do some edited stuff that's more like, okay, I want to have an intro and an outro and I want to add that to it. Um, I want something that's going to be more, uh, what do they call it, the evergreen that you put on, you know, that'll go on YouTube and can last forever. Um, so it just kind of depends on what the topic is. If it's something that I feel like I can get across really well in words or that it just would make more sense for me to have it written out, then I'll do that. If it needs to add a picture, you know, to where it's something that I think I want people to maybe see that and they might not see it just by what I've written, then I'll add a photo. But it's not anything that I follow, any kind of rules of the, you know, whatever they say the algorithm is or anything like that. I just kind of do what makes, what I feel like in my gut is going to work for me. Understood. And so what are your kind of, I guess, goals with the content? Is it is simply just keep your name out there you want to be kind of sought after mm -hmm. versus like kind of seeking uh, to meet other people. What do you what do you have like in store? I guess what do you think you'll turn it into? 
Well, so that's been the first step is my goal was just to get my name out there and be in front of people because it's usually not going to be that you're right in front of somebody the day that they want to transact, the day that they want to go out and start looking for space. So it turns into I want to be in front of people who might know other people who are ready to transact and they say, oh, commercial real estate. I know Nicole Campbell. She's every day I see her stuff, which has happened. So that goal has fulfilled itself. I've gotten clients through that exact process. The other thing for me was to meet people in my field who, like I said, are were kind of like-minded, um, people who are hustling, who are in similar businesses, B2B type business. And so again, just to so that they know me. And that's been a goal that has been fulfilled as well. And it's ongoing where somebody says, they'll reach out to me and say, oh, I see all your stuff. You seem like a good person to know let's meet up and so it starts from we meet online which always sounds like really funny to me like oh i met this guy online yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, that's it's how it starts and then we'll either meet for coffee or for lunch or we'll meet at an event and it's just made my world um bigger but smaller at the same time mm -hmm. so i've built some really great relationships and so that's where i'm at right now i'd like to make it go a little bit further with me just um because it's i'm branding myself and not to say that I would ever leave DeVar's real estate, but if God forbid something happened or, you know, there was some other opportunity, then at least now I'm, people know who Nicole Campbell is and it's not just dependent upon whatever company that I'm at at the time. Yeah. Love that. And where are you kind of going to get like, I guess any industry like conferences and good things mm -hmm. that you do to like, just, I guess, keep sharpening your, your, your toolkit? Well, yeah, so we have a core network is one of this. It's an office um, specific conference that's just for these folks who are in what is called the core network. And so we're going to that in the beginning of April. That's in Austin, Texas. So I'm super stoked about that. Austin is amazing. Can't wait. And then beyond that, I'm literally like listening to podcasts all the time. And I really try to find things that are outside of just, oh, commercial real estate. It's, I listen to stuff about um, building materials, um, just business in general. The other day I went to a franchising, how to franchise your business uh, little seminar because I thought, well, maybe if I ever come across a client who wants a franchise, then this will have you know, some points for me to be able to at least know who to send them to. Yes. So I'm just constantly looking for what would make sense that I can be a resource for a client to say, oh, well, I know you could talk to this person, or I know enough about this topic to be able to say, you know, the X, Y, and Z is maybe something you should look into. So that's how I do it. I'm just reading books, listening to podcasts, seeking things out from all kinds of people, industry-wide, not just commercial real estate, but just in general. And um, I, for me, it's been phenomenally helpful for that, for my clients. What's your take on like co-working spaces and kind of like this just, it seems like there's a lot of them, mm -hmm. it seems like there's maybe bubbles, I mean, what, what's happening with co-working space? Well, there's a definite need. So there's those folks who say, oh, I only need one office, I'm not ready to move up to something else, or I can't sign a three-year lease right now because that's usually what landlords want is a three-year lease. Um, or I just need a couple offices, I'm just getting started. Um, so there's a need for that because they need that professional space. Um, there's a need for it beyond sometimes even the geographical areas that we have. So 
for instance, in the Red Mill area of Virginia Beach, which is out by the courthouse, there's no executive suites or co-working type spaces mm. available, but there are people. You would think there would be some spaces out there for co-working, but there's no co-working spaces in kind of the Red Mill area? No, and really there's just not a lot of office product in general. So that is one of the reasons why. So you'll see, because we've had um, spaces available over a corporate landing area that were medical office, and we've been approached by people who just need one office and maybe a conference room or something like that. Um, because they do business there, maybe a retail type of business or a business where they're trying to get started and they live in that area, so they don't want to drive because from there it's 20 minutes to town center or further, it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes to other, these other locations. So they want to hang around near their home, but they don't want to work out of their house anymore. They're either grown beyond that or they're just tired of dealing with sharing space with their dog and their kids or whatever the case is. Um, so it's just got to have that separation. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. So I think there's a definite need. We get calls for that type of stuff all the time. It's just where geographically are these places located? Do they make sense for the business owners? And then um, if somebody has space that they're able to divide up in these other kind of like tertiary areas that aren't just the town center, Virginia Beach or downtown Norfolk, um, I think that they would probably do well. There's the guy who has, um, Richard Chang is in downtown Suffolk, hmm. who has some um, co-working and executive suites there. He doesn't keep them full, but he does pretty well for being downtown Suffolk. Because, you know, so um, there's a need for it. There will always be a need. And it's just a matter of making sure that people are able to see that it's not the same clientele always. And not to feel like office building owners should not feel threatened by or feel like that's going to take away from what they have as a traditional office space. And so what do you tell the, I guess, potential clients that are going to start working with you, like maybe before they start working with you, what are some things that they should do to maybe just plan and just like be ready to like onboard? Mm -hmm. So really it's a matter of saying, well, here I am today. What do I want to look like in three to five years from now? And being realistic about that. If they think that they're gonna grow by having five extra employees within the next two years, well then we don't want to have lease space that's only room for one, that's a three-year lease. Because in two years from now, they're gonna have outgrown it. So really realistically plan for what does growth look like for them if it does look like they will grow. They need to have a budget figured out and that's usually the number one thing when people call and I say, okay, well what's your monthly budget that you feel comfortable with and they have no idea. And there is a, a process where you have to figure out, well, what does the market look like and how much would an office space even cost? So there's that exploratory phase, which is understandable, but really having a good idea of how much money you can afford every month. And it's not just rent. It could be then on top of that, the utilities, the common area maintenance, all these other things that go into having an office space. Um, and then really it's just, do you have six months of reserve at least for whatever that you want to lease. If it's a thousand dollars a month and you need to have your security deposit and first month's rent up front and then you need six months of reserve so that's another six thousand dollars on top of that. Do you have that liquid right now that you could say that that would sustain you if you weren't making any money in the first six months? So it's really about the money, making sure that they have what they need to be able to pay the rent. Because if you can't pay the rent, unfortunately, landlords in commercial space can lock you out. It's not like a residential lease 
where they have to go through the court system and do an eviction. They can just lock you out if you've defaulted. So mm. something to keep in mind. And then uh, what about the landlord side? The landlord side is... When do you know that it's time? Because I guess in theory, if you had that one building and you were doing something else, mm -hmm. you could kind of do it yourself, but it, you would help them come closer to the customer, basically. When should they, like, stop beating their head up against the wall and come and... Yeah, I mean, as soon as they... comment on one of your videos. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they see that they are not making any money on a space, and it's been... I, I'd hate for somebody to wait six months or a year and do some marketing that they think is getting out in front of people and then it's either not or it's not getting in front of the people that they want to attract to the space because if you have an office building that is all professionals and you just keep getting people who are trying to move in that are some sort of retail space that doesn't make any sense for the office building well then you're not in front of the right people um, or they have this misconception a lot of times that they can leave a space the way it looked when it was vacated in 1980 mm. and people are going to walk in and just have a vision that's not the case we need to take all that stuff out that dates it that makes people walk in and say Ugh, if they haven't updated this how do they maintain the building like what kind of responsive landlord are they going to be am i going to have an issue with them down the line if something happens and I need them to come replace something that's broken in the space. They've not touched this in 20 years. So knowing that there's stuff that needs to be done when they're ready to reach out, receive advice, and then act on it. Because if they can't act on that advice because either A, they don't have the money to or they don't want to and they aren't going to trust a broker to, to help them with that, then they can keep doing it themselves for all I'm concerned because that just won't be a good relationship. We'll be button heads the entire time. So. Yeah, I, it's so sad whenever spaces are just sitting there for so long and I'm like, oh, if you just did this, this, and this, you would have leased it yesterday. But, you know, that's one thing that they have to come to grips with. Perfect. Well, this has been fascinating. Where can the listeners follow you and connect with you? Well, so first of all, LinkedIn, absolutely. I'm, I think it's Nicole Campbell One. I, I feel like I was the first Nicole Campbell on LinkedIn ever. Probably not true, but um, so LinkedIn, Nicole Campbell One, and then my email address is Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, dot Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, -L, at Davaris, which is D-I-V-A-R-I-S, dot com. Awesome. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thank you.